Welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is the final episode of the 2021-2022 academic year. We're going to go on a little break for the summer, but uh, fear not, we will come back in the fall. So please stay subscribed and look for those episodes in the next coming academic year. I have two guests today, authors from famcatholic.com. The first is Renee Roden, who is the editor of Special Projects and is a proud Midwesterner New Yorker hybrid. She has a degree in theology from the University of Notre Dame and a master's in journalism from Columbia University. My second guest is Kelly Senkowski, who is the body section editor of femcatholic.com. Originally from Washington, D.C., she earned a B.A. in English and Religious Studies from University of Virginia and an M.A. in Theology and Ministry from Boston College. First of all, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Happy to be here. Uh, I reached out to you in particular because of an article that you, uh, two, you are two of three authors on this article called What's the State of Maternity Leave in the U.S. Catholic Church? published on March 25th, again on femcatholic.com. Coincidentally, or or maybe providentially, I don't know, uh, about three or four days before this article came out, I was sitting in a coffee shop with a a female friend of mine who's married, and she works for the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. And I brought this issue up, and we had like an over-hour-long conversation about maternity leave in archdiocese and archdiocese. I've had this conversation many times over the years with female friends of mine who work in a variety of different dioceses. Uh, and it has uh, made me angry every time we had this issue, I had this conversation. And part of that conversation was, who, who can we get to write an article about this, like a deep investigative article? And we sat around and came up with some ideas. And then three days later, she emails me this, say, hey, look, somebody just did it for us. And we're like, okay, that's great. We, uh, we, we've got what we were looking for. So I read this uh, wonderful article talking about, a, 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 as you say, a deep investigation into what's this, the, the, the state of maternity leave policies around the U.S. Uh, Diocese of the U.S. Catholic Church. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, why don't we just start, uh, Rebecca, uh, Renee, if you would please just start by summarizing the article. What is it that you all found? Yeah, thank you. It's so cool to hear that there was a desire for this work. Um, and then we sort of met that need. Um, yeah. So we reached out to all 176 Catholic dioceses, uh, in the United States. And we found that the diocesan trends sort of pretty closely hewed to the national trends. Um, only about 20% of women throughout the U S, uh, have access to paid leave after having a child. Um, it's, less for fathers. Um, And so we found that 31 dioceses offer fully paid maternity leave policies. um, But out of those 30 dioceses, roughly 30 dioceses, only four offer 12 full weeks. Um, And 12 full weeks is, has been endorsed by the American Academy of Pediatrics as like the minimum recommended leave. Uh, 12 weeks is what workers throughout the U.S. get federally through uh, Family Medical Leave Act, um, or the Federal Family Medical Leave Act, uh, they get 12 weeks of unpaid leave. And so, yeah, this, this um, 12 weeks is sort of the bare minimum. And we found only four dioceses offer that. 
um, we found that uh, about the same amount, 32 provides some percentage of employee salaries um, through a lot of short-term disability, uh, short-term disability insurance policies is a common method of covering maternity leaves. Um, some states have short-term leaves. And so our piece really dove into kind of looking at the general outline of what are the numbers, what, what did we actually find, um, and then sort of looking into, okay, the diocese that don't have fully paid maternity leaves, why not? What, what's their sort of financial situation? Uh, what are the reasons behind not having it? The diocese that do have it, why do they have it? Like what sort of caused them to implement this policy? Um, uh, the benefits of maternity leave uh, to women who are mothers like Kelly um, and many other writers at Femme Catholic, those benefits may seem obvious, but you know they're kind of overlooked and just ignored by a lot of the corporate work practices in the U.S. So we really just spell out why maternity leave is beneficial to mothers and children and to families. Um, and then we kind of end with um, a look forward to say like, you know, well, why the church? Why should, why should, what does it matter that church diocese should offer 12 weeks of fully paid leave? Like, does that match up with their values? Does, what does that mean? Um, so yeah, that is the piece. Kelly, is there anything else that I missed that's important? No, I think that's a, a good summary. We just tried to look at the data and then investigate a little bit of, of why it's important and why it matters. Kelly, what would you say are some of the biggest obstacles in preventing dioceses from offering generous paid leave to their employees? Uh, one of the points that uh, somebody that you interviewed said that paid leave isn't sort of additional money. It's just continuing to pay somebody what you would be paying them, whether they got pregnant anyways. Now, obviously, there would be uh, when the, the mother or in, in the case of paternity leave, there'd be less work getting done during that time. But financially, it's, it's not more money that would be required. It's just the same amount. So if, if that's the case, then what are the obstacles? Why, why, why couldn't a diocese uh, do this, implement this? They're, they're already paying that salary anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what we found is that a lot of dioceses that do offer it now did so because someone brought it up and asked for it. Um, so I think one obstacle is just uh, not having the conversation start. Um, but then there's other other things, like there's one diocese I talked to that um, just demographically, it didn't make a lot of sense for them because they didn't currently have any employees that were of childbearing age. Um, and of course, that's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem because um, if you don't have a policy in place that would be beneficial to young mothers, they may not want to work there in the first place. Um, so that goes a little bit back to kind of having the conversation, but I also think it might just be intimidating to diocese. Um, it might sound like it's something that would cost a lot of money and, you know, dioceses are dependent on, uh, the donations of parishioners around the diocese to run. Uh, so I think they're very careful about how they use their money. Um, and it just might not have been fully looked into to see that it, it wouldn't actually cost that much to implement. Renee, in your research, um, did you find out why more women or even men have not asked for better family leave? Um, you, th- there was one story, I can't remember the woman's name, where she did that. She just asked for uh, a diocese to have a, uh, a maternity leave plan, and, and they did that, right? Now, how 
you didn't say in the article how much she had to fight for it. Uh, maybe it was quite a struggle. I'm not sure. Um, so part of me thinks, well, that, you know, people just need to be asking for it and diocese um, would offer it. But then maybe there are other reasons why women and men aren't asking for it. So did you get a feel for why uh, more people aren't asking for these these policies? Um, Stuart, that is an excellent question. And I think the person you're thinking about is Christine John, who I Kelly interviewed. Um, and do you want to say a bit, Kelly, uh, about kind of Christine John's journey, uh, the letter that she wrote, or just like kind of how her advocating for it fit in with this overall movement towards maternity leave in the diocese? And then we can circle back to the rest of your question, Stuart. Absolutely. Kelly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So for Christine, Christine John, her story is she was working for the Archdiocese of Washington and she got pregnant um, and she had been working there for about three years and she decided to look into what type of maternity leave she would be offered. And she found that they had a short-term disability policy. Um, and with the amount of time she had worked there, she was only eligible to receive 60% of her pay. Um, with short-term disability, which is usually between six to eight weeks, depending on what type of delivery you have. Um, and for her situation, she found that that just wasn't going to work financially, um, that it was expensive to have a baby, and that even though um, both she and her husband were working full-time, that pay cut wasn't going to work. Um, so she felt like she needed to, to say something and to ask for um, paid leave, and she felt that it was something that aligned with the values of the diocese, um, knowing that the church is pro-life and pro-family. So she wrote a letter um, after having a lot of conversations with human resources that didn't necessarily pan out. Um, she wrote a letter to the diocese, um, kind of spelling out why she thought it aligned with their values and um, ended up being successful and getting eight weeks of paid leave. Um, and I think that's, that story really encapsulates, I think, like a lot of, um, I, I think that encapsulates some of the difficulty of human resources. Um, and Caitlin Flanagan actually has a great article about this in the Atlantic from a couple of years ago, how human resources um, as a sort of practice often isn't so much sort of seeking the best, um, the, the, best outcome for the employee, but is sort of helping the employer manage the bottom line. Um, and not saying that like we talked to so many wonderful human resources professionals in the church. And actually many of the dioceses um, who have paid leave, it was because a director of human resources came in. Um, I talked to several who were, you know, women who had extensive careers in human resources or really like had a deep understanding of the need to offer women time to be with their child um, after having a, having a new baby. Um, and so I think we talked to many wonderful HR directors who like implemented this work. There are many incredible HR people working for the church right now. Um, but I think, you know, I think Christine John's story really illustrates why people don't ask for change. Cause if you go to your HR, HR director, HR, you know, analyst and ask for something and you're told, no, that's discouraging, right? Like, and you can keep fighting for it. And, you know, Christine John in the story, like co uh, collaborates with a coworker, you know, so partners together with someone else to ask for this, to kind of like write this letter that pushes that move towards paid leave over the finish line. Right. 
Um, and I spoke with one of the women that I spoke with, Sophie Caldicott, who is from the UK, but worked in the US for a little bit. She had some really insightful comments about, about this needing to really be a cultural change. Um, and we saw that by talking to various other professionals um, saying, you know, if this were the law in our certain state, then yeah, like the church would do it. But there wasn't this, there didn't seem to be this sort of perception that the church has in other spaces that the culture we're in is a culture of death or a culture that hurts someone's human dignity or doesn't promote life and doesn't make it easy to choose life or it doesn't promote virtue. And there's an awareness of that that the church has in a lot of other spaces. And it seems like the awareness that this is an important part of creating a culture of life was something that certain dioceses felt, but other dioceses just hadn't sort of realized yet. Um, but as you say, it was individual people who had sort of brought that to the forefront who said this needs to happen. Um, anyhow, circling back to Sophie Caldicott, she said that, you know, it's ex- it can be expensive or overwhelming for a small nonprofit to, um, or a small diocese, or, you know, it can feel overwhelming to pay 12 weeks of a salary to someone, um, especially if you maybe have to pay for someone to pick up like a contractor to pick up that work, right. Or pay someone else to step in while they're out. Um, so that cost can feel really overwhelming, but if there's a cultural change, you know, like that's when it's sort of like, okay, this is not just, this is sort of a responsibility. The culture community needs to share the burden of, right. Um, and I think that's something we see with FMLA. It's like, all right, the, the United States has said as a culture, we want to give people 12 weeks off after, after birth. Um, but they haven't made it possible for people to do that by then saying, we're going to put our money, money where our mouth is and make it possible for women to actually take that time off financially. Um, and so I think when you're talking about something, when you're talking about something as important as maternity leave and also something that affects 50% of people, you know, or over that, because there are fathers and mothers all over the U.S. When you're talking about something that's so fundamental to the fabric of how you operate as a culture, it really does have to be a cultural change. Um, And so I think the people we spoke to, we saw that heroism. We saw that sort of conviction of like, I'm going to ask for this. I'm going to advocate for this. I'm going to explain to the powers that be why it's important that we become a prophetic institution that's doing this and pull the culture along with us. But I, I, I think it's really important to acknowledge the culture that we're in and it doesn't promote this. And so I don't blame people for not asking for it because they're often told no, or they're told you don't deserve it. Or you're told that's a really crazy thing to ask for, you know, like, Oh, you should just be happy with two weeks. You should be happy with five days. Right. Instead of being encouraged to say, no, the right thing is to ask for 12 weeks. Um, but I think, I think one of the beautiful things about this project is that, you know, we're, we were out here to find many different perspectives, but overwhelmingly the perspectives were that this is just a very obvious good thing. You know, tw- at least 12 weeks of paid maternity leave is a very obvious, very obvious good thing that people in the church should be advocating for. Um, and once people had sort of been on fire with, okay, this is important and we should do it, they're able to advocate for it. But I think it's a matter of just putting that message out of like, people want this, people need this. um, And it's something that, yeah, that you shouldn't have to fight an HR department for. Kelly, building off of this point of 
the need of a cultural change, and, and that's always notoriously difficult to figure out how to do. Um, how, how can this be fixed? How, what concrete steps would you like to see dioceses take in order to offer more generous uh, uh, leave packages? Sure. I think a good concrete step to start with is having a conversation with the women who work there, who either are mothers or are interested in becoming mothers, um, and hearing from them about what they need. Um, I think women like myself, I'm a new mother. Um, I have an eight-month-old son. I think we, you know, don't necessarily know until we go go through it, just how intensive um, those early days of parenting are. And I think um, just taking the time to almost have a listening session with, with mothers to learn about their experiences would be a great first step. Um, and then I think just doing the work that, um, like I said, might sound intimidating, but just really doing an evaluation of kind of how can you make room in the budget for this? Um, because in some cases it is not much of an extra cost, but for dioceses like the Diocese of Raleigh that extend maternity leave further to schools and parishes and not just the um, kind of central offices employees, there definitely are considerations that need to be um, evaluated. Like for in schools, there needs to be substitute teachers and that is an added cost. Um, but I know that before they implemented their policy, which is um, 12 weeks of paid leave, um, they just did a lot of crunching of numbers and thinking about how to make it work. Um, so I think it, the next step would just be taking the time to, to figure out what is feasible um, in each diocese and how that might match up to meet the needs of the woman that we've talked to. I could just add to that, Kelly. I think one thing, first of all, I just want to say that like the listening session with mothers is so important. I remember in editing, um, Kelly had included uh, one of the points about two weeks postpartum women most women go back to work, the majority of women go back to work two weeks postpartum. Um, and so we sort of spelled out what a woman is going through two weeks postpartum. Many women are still hemorrhaging. Um, women are, you know, there's, if you go back to work, if you go back to work two weeks postpartum, there's an uptick in postpartum depression. Um, one fact Kelly put in was that there are many parents who are sleep deprived because a child's circadian rhythms have not yet adapted to morning and night outside the womb at two weeks postpartum. Um, and so parents are dealing with caring for a human who doesn't know the difference between night and day yet. Right. And someone almost on our team almost edited that out, but then we ended up keeping it in because it's like, that's, that comes from Kelly's experience as a mother and other mothers will recognize that they'll see their own experience in that. Um, and that really struck me. I think everyone can relate to being sleep deprived and how horribly they work or function when they're sleep deprived. Um, and, you know, imagining for, you know, imagining for two minutes, you know, caring for someone who doesn't know the difference between night and day. I was like, oh, how is that possible? You know, but mothers do it all the time. So I think really sort of parsing out a new imaginative ways, the task of motherhood helps us understand like, oh, wow, how can a woman function as a mother? in that sense. And the second thing I'll say, and this is also something Kelly brought up, was that the FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, the federal benefits are supposed to apply to a, a parent a year after they've worked at a job. And many um, 
many HR policies just follow that pattern because that's sort of like a cultural norm that's been set. And we've talked to several people. Um, I recently just spoke with a former teacher who's found this really frustrating as Catholic couples. You know, if we're supposed to be open for life, if we're not supposed to be contracepting, um, you know, she's like, it's really stressful to be trying to use NFP to like seriously discern to avoid a pregnancy because I'm waiting for a job benefit to kick in. And, you know, like, I think that just seems like a very small but important thing the church can do to say like, oh no, as soon as you sign this contract, these maternity benefits are yours because we, we trust that you're open to life as good Catholic couples, you know, um, several dioceses or school Catholic schools have employees sign morality clauses saying that they're abiding by church teaching. And that's one of church teachings is to be open to life and, you know, to really, I think as an organization to think through and take seriously the cultural ramifications of what you're asking people to do and how can you create a culture in your organization that acknowledges that reality, that it's different than what the rest of the world is doing. And also how can you change your culture of your organization to support that? So I would just want to add those to the points that Kelly made. Uh, Renee, what surprised you most about the about what you found throughout your research? What surprised me? <laughs> um, I think, uh, okay, two things stand out. One, um, Kelly became our spreadsheet czar and did all sorts of really great calculations right at the end once we gathered enough data to sort of get some insight. And I think one of the helpful things that she that she parsed through the numbers is that there isn't a correlation between um, the amount of assets a diocese have and the amount of paid leave they offer. Mm -hmm. And I found that really compelling because, you know, cost was a, was often a fact cited for why um, diocese did not have paid leave. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she looked at, um, she parsed out the four dioceses that have the longest paid parental leave, all uh, the four dioceses that offer full 12 weeks of paid parental leave, Chicago, New York, Raleigh, and Omaha. Um, the amount of money that they have per Catholic uh, varies from like, over 1700 per Catholic to just 287 per Catholic, right? So that's a wide range of assets, but you're able to offer an equal amount of leave because I think all of those dioceses, there's some different reasons, but most of them have decided it's important, right? It's important to offer chancery employees 12 weeks of paid leave, um, no matter how much assets they have, how much they have in assets. Um, the second thing that surprised me is, um, gosh, I think like, I think like, um, I, I guess one of the most, I, I think I had a lot of surprising conversations and it was such an interesting project to get to talk to people who work in dioceses all over the United States. Um, but I think one of the surprising conversations I had was with Bishop Bill Wack in uh, the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, Florida. And yeah, I think I was really, you know, I was, I was really curious to hear his perspective, right? Like what's his perspective as a bishop? And he really recognized the importance of having a paid maternity leave policy and he was surprised, like he had assumed that they had one, I guess, mm -hmm. um, you know, and he didn't really know, he didn't really know that they didn't have one until someone brought it to his attention. And, you know, so I think, 
And he was so, you know, he was so like on board with like, we have to make this happen. Like, this is really important. It's really important as a pro-life organization to be doing this. Um, and, and so I think like, I was surprised by his openness, by his sort of like frankness about the situation and his openness to changing it. Um, and I don't know if that's true of every bishop or every diocese, but it was really encouraging to see that. Uh, Kelly, you've both been talking about 12 weeks as sort of, uh, the, I think you said the nationally uh, suggested policy by the, by the government, I think you said. Um, and you said several dioceses do that, Chicago in particular. It, it doesn't sound like anybody goes above and beyond the 12. Um, what, so in addition to the, the, the number of weeks, what would you say, Kelly, is the ideal type of policy that you would like to see dioceses adopt and also, what would you say is a policy that, okay, it's not ideal for a variety of circumstances, including financial, um, but the very minimum that you think a diocese should offer? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, in addition to the 12 weeks paid maternity leave, which is um, the American Academy of Pediatrics is the one that endorsed okay. that. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of creative ways to support mothers beyond just strictly um, maternity leave. So, you know, maybe a flexible uh, transition back to work. So maybe giving the option of remote work or part-time as mothers kind of come out of that 12-week leave. Um, and that 12-week period is often referred to as the fourth trimester, kind of acknowledging that it's it's really an extension of like pregnancy time and that you're still very intensively forming a human. Um, But I think in addition to the flexible transition to work, um, there's definitely a need for um, kind of protected time for, for pumping, for breastfeeding mothers um, that needs to be incorporated. Um, And there are also some dioceses that offered a kind of extended unpaid, um, period in addition to the paid leave. So I think Chicago is one of those. Um, I don't remember the exact period of time, but, you know, obviously the ideal thing would be to have a ton of paid leave, but recognizing that that isn't always feasible. I think at least having that 12 week period of paid leave and then offering some additional unpaid leave on top of that would, would be great. Renee, when when the the data started to be collected, uh, and you saw the, the the line from the article is the diocese broadly reflect overall national trends. And on the one hand, that's a good thing, right? We certainly don't want dioceses to be worse than that, um, but not better than national average. One of the people that you quoted said, um, "Who else should be the gold standard of generous parental leave policies other than the Catholic Church?" Uh, which certainly is an uh, argument I would make. So um, h- how did you reflect or, or think about this when you saw uh, it's not worse than the national average, but it's not better? And, you know, as as I think you mentioned earlier, the Catholic Church rightly puts itself forward as being uh, um, pro-life, and everybody knows this, and that manifests itself in a variety of ways, anti-abortion, um, uh, anti-death penalty, et cetera. But here's a sort of statistical... Um, uh, statistical data that shows that, well, we're actually not any better than the national average on this point. How how did you respond or think about that? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you just, uh, you brought up like the, the image of like gathering the data. And I think we're very aware of the fact that, um, that we, we do have an incomplete data set. 
And I've had about five or six dioceses respond and add to our data set um, after we went to press. They saw the report and wanted to participate. So we had 58 dioceses confirm their policies of press time, and we now have 62, I believe. Um, and I think that's important to note because most dioceses, we were able to gather information, even if they didn't confirm it from handbooks and websites. Um, but some dioceses, we weren't able to find anything. And so, um, you know, like if there is a diocese out there that's offering 12 weeks of paid leave, but just didn't want to tell us about it, we want to know that, you know, like, um, it seems unlikely, but it may be, you know, and, uh, if there's a diocese that is offering, you know, we, you know, if, if there are all these dioceses that didn't want to tell us about their policies, but their policies are actually super generous and would take the church over the national paid leave average, we'd love to know that it just didn't seem like that was the case. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, one, someone pointed out that I was speaking to that at the USCCB paid maternity leave policies fall under the office of human development or um, justice development. I had, I need to find the exact title of the um, organization, but it's not the pro-life committee, right? At the USCCB paid maternity leave is not a policy that falls on the pro-life committee's radar. It belongs on the human development and justice committee, I believe. And so that, that's a problem, right? Cause like, I think Kelly just said so beautifully that the, a mother, if you want to support mothers and babies, there's a whole trimester, this fourth trimester where they're not receiving support. Um, and so, so many people argued, this is a pro-life issue. Like this helps women have children and choose life. And so I think that's just not trickling up to, um, that that's that is not yet fully trickled up to sort of the hierarchy of the church, even though there seems to be a lot of recognition of that among kind of at a grassroots level. Um, but I think also there's there does seem to be a in in paid maternity leave there are two issues, right? There's a pro life issue and there's also a preferential option for the poor issue, right? And we're supposed to be a church that um, whose heart is at the margins, whose heart is thinking with the poor and we're supposed to be a church that like, right, models with and lives with the poor, lives in solidarity with them. And there is a huge class divide when it comes to paid maternity leave. Um, I think it's close to 30%, around 30% um, of women who have access to paid maternity leave are salaried. Um, you know, they're not, they're not hourly workers. They're not shift workers, right? They have a salary. Uh, Generally, they tend to be upper class or white. And as Kelly point out, points out, and as many sources pointed out to us, a salary is sort of baked into your budget, right? If you're not doing shift work, if you're not doing hourly work, if you have, if you're paying someone a salary, that's money you've already budgeted to them. Unless you have to hire a replacement or contract their work out, generally it just doesn't cost you anything less to keep paying them. Um, but so then it's tougher when it comes to shift work and hourly work. And so those are the women who often have less access to paid maternity leave. And so I think that's sort of also another challenge. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. I'm just nodding along because I think that's a good point in that um, the, the women who are less likely to have access to paid leave are the lowest paid quartile of workers who also don't have 
the savings necessarily to have an unpaid period of leave. And it's it would be harder for them to choose life in that circumstance if they know that they are, um, you know, either going to have to care for their baby and not get paid because of that or have to sacrifice that time with their baby in order to go back to work and, and keep making the money that they need. Um, so I, I just think that point about it being both pro-life and in line with preferential option of the poor is really crucial. Kelly, before we started recording, I asked you if um, this article is the first of its kind or if you'd found previous research. And you said you found one article on this in another uh, uh, journal of about six, seven years ago. And it, it looks like things are getting better, uh, that, that, that dioceses are implementing um, better policies. But it, it, clearly, this doesn't get much of an uh, this issue doesn't get much attention. Why do you think that is, uh, and and what can be done to to bring more attention to it? Obviously, your article is doing a, a great job to bring attention to this. But what else can uh, men uh, and women do to to bring more attention to this? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely just a cultural change. I think in in our society in general and in the church that is starting to recognize this more. Um, And I think that part of that cultural change is probably related to the pandemic that we've all just gone through um, for uh, several reasons. I think, um, you know, people have gotten used to kind of being at home with their families more and recognizing the value of that. Um, And we also just saw a lot of the problems with organizing society purely based on um, productivity and uh, efficiency, which actually comes from a Pope John Paul II quote, um, talking about supporting working mothers um, and how doing so would would um, necessitate a redesigning of the processes of humanization, he says. Um, so I think that that's just a, a really good starting point in, in thinking about um, what we can do just to kind of continue to lean into what we've all learned in the past few years from the ways that our society uh, needs to be restructured. Um, so I think continuing that conversation is is crucial and doing it on a casual level, but also doing it in an official level of um, advocating in your places of work and not being afraid to, um, you know, ask for what you need if you are a mother or a potential mother and also to for men um, I mean men need this too right paternity leave is very important but even if even if you're not planning on being a parent um, just recognizing that this is a really um, important piece of the puzzle for living out our values as Catholics. Renee what motivated you to write this piece? Um, (laughs) I think Sam, our executive uh, editor and the founder of Femme Catholic, she had this idea uh, around Christmas. Um, this this idea came up, and instead of just being um, another six hundred word article, which is sort of Femme Catholic's bread and butter, we had this idea. Okay, how could this be something more? Um, and I can't remember Kelly if you were involved in that early like when you got involved as well. But I, I think like, it, it's something Sam's very passionate about because as Kelly may have mentioned, when she, we started our working at Femme Catholic, she took maternity leave and was paid. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, so Sam, 
has had experience, um, is she on her third child? She's experienced corporate maternity leave issues. Um, I never have, (laughs) I am not, not a mom. And so I think this was really, this was exciting to me to learn from Sam, to learn from the other, like Kelly, other members of our team who have these stories. Um, and I'm always, I, I was very excited about doing a story that we could have some hard data, sort of the process of gathering data, um, something that could be really comprehensive and have a much bigger scope. Um, so I was really excited about the form of the story. And Sam was the one who really provided, who had the eye for this issue. Um, I think, yeah, the one thing I want to add is simply that, like, I think kind of piggybacking off Kelly's point that even if you're not a parent or planning on to become a parent, it's really important to advocate for these policies, um, at places of work or to, you know, to have an integrated vision of human dignity in life. These are important policies. And I just, I think like as someone, yeah, who's not a parent, um, as I reported the story, it really, you know, gave me insight. And I think just did what journalism does, which teaches you the empathy to ask new questions. So the more women I spoke to, um, the more stories I got about their maternity leave struggles or how much maternity leave they did or didn't have. And so it really was cool to see how to get tuned into this conversation, sort of like you were saying, Stuart, with your friend, like really, you know, once I learned the questions to ask, I feel like I've learn so much more about the people around me who are going through maternity leave as well. I don't think any of us had mentioned this yet, but on the website is the, the spreadsheet of all the diocese research that you found. So if any listener wants to find out their own particular diocese, uh, they can go to the website and, and pull that up. Uh, final question, and I'm going to ask this to both of you. I, I always try to end on a note of hope because um, we are a people of hope, uh, specifically hope in the resurrection. This is Holy Week. And uh, so the resurrection is just a few days away. Let's start with you, Kelly. Um, When you think about the future of how dioceses should support mothers and fathers, uh, what gives you hope that this will improve? I think a lot of the conversations that we had with dioceses who do offer paid leave gave me hope, I think, because as we've mentioned, it is trending in the direction of more and more dioceses realizing that this is an important issue, an important thing to offer to women and to men. Um, And I think so many of them cited the desire to be pro-life and pro-family as part of their reason for that. Um, So I think it is important for us to see that there are dioceses that are doing this very well and that I think um, it's only continuing to to go in that direction. Renee? Um, I've said this a couple times, but I think what gave me so much hope and joy reporting a story that was a slog and a big project was just speaking with people at the diocese. Uh, There are really, this sounds so cheesy, but there are so many good people who work for our church. Um, They're just really, really good. And for any communications, you know, for every communications professional who hung up the phone and said they didn't want to talk to us, there were... (laughs) four or five HR directors or communications directors who were so generous with their time, who told us, you know, why their diocese did what they did, um, who just spoke about, you know, who just spoke about their love of the church or their desire to live out their values um, with conviction. 
And yeah, I think that's what gives me hope. And I'm tearing up because I think they're just really, it was really just so lovely to see all kind of this huge national picture of who works for the church um, and how good they are. So that just brought me so much hope. Again, the article is called, What's the State of Maternity Leave in the U.S. Catholic Church? Uh, published on femcatholic.com, March 25th, 2022. Uh, Kelly, Renee, thank you so much uh, for your time here on this podcast. Thank you for this article. I think, uh, as I said at the beginning, this is something that's been desperately needed in the church. Uh, I will certainly link to it. And uh, I think every Catholic needs to read this this piece. So thank you, ladies, for your time and, and your effort. Thanks, Thanks so much for having us.